Welcome back to another episode of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. And for those of you who have never listened to an, to an episode before, welcome to the podcast. For those of you who are returning, welcome back. So the title of this episode, what is Independent Thought Volume 2? I am going to assume just right off the gate that a lot of you uh, were not around the first time I did an episode like this which was back in January of 2020, right when I started this podcast. So I thought that this would probably be a good time to, I guess, reintroduce myself. I haven't done this in a long time, and there's a lot of new people here uh, who are listening to the podcast, uh, either for their first time recently or have come on in the last few months. So I thought I would just get everyone a chance to get to know the host, me, why it is that I'm doing what I'm doing, uh, what led me to do this podcast and why any of you should give a shit about what I have to say, which, you know, spoiler alert, you don't have to, but let's just get right into it. So this can be a little bit of a quicker of an episode, but I kind of just thought that this was an important topic to discuss. And I'll explain a little bit more about that at the end of this segment. So first and foremost, Desmond Price has lived in a couple different areas of the country. Grew up over in Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia, and moved to Montana in high school. Finished out high school in uh, Great Falls, Montana. Moved to Missoula, Montana, and went to college at the University of Montana. Studied psychology, actually, not political science, not history, not journalism, psychology. Uh, just absolutely fascinated with why people think the way they think, how they think the way they think, how the brain functions as a whole, uh, what leads to certain uh, issues, psychologically speaking. I, I was fascinated with all of it. Uh, but obviously, I guess it's not obviously, uh, you know, spoiler alert, I did not go into any kind of field pertaining to psychology after I was done with college. When it, when it comes to politically speaking, uh, who I am uh, from a politics standpoint is probably to best mention how I have voted historically. So I voted for Obama in 2008. I did not vote in 2012, and I'll get to that actually in a little bit. Um, in 2016, voted for Bernie in the primary and then uh, voted third party in the 2016 general election. Don't roll your eyes at me. I live in a red state. I didn't think Trump was going to win. And then in 2020, voted for Bernie again in the primary, voted for Biden in the general. So when it comes to politics, you know, while I've always voted, I guess, on the left, I do have a very particular way of thinking about politics under that most people they either fall into one camp or the other they think of themselves as 
either conservative or liberal or a Democrat or Republican. Not too often that you truly meet people who are like really independent, who will really vote on both sides. A lot of people say they're independent, but then still vote the same side every single time. But I think for me growing up, the one thing that really defined how I felt politically, strangely enough, came from listening to something that Chris Rock said when I was in high school. I remember listening to a standout that he did and he said that it did not make any sense to him that someone could be liberal about every single issue or could be conservative about every single issue. It just didn't make any sense to him. And at the time, you know, I was a kid, didn't really have any opinions on anything, but I remember that sticking with me. And to this day, it still stuck with me, just maybe in a slightly different way than it did then. The way it sticks with me now is saying that it does not make any sense to, I guess, predispose yourself to thinking that you're going to side with one party on every single issue. You got to take each situation as it comes and evaluate how you feel in the moments, not predetermine how you're supposed to feel given how other people feel. And so that's kind of how I've taken it going, you know, like into my current life right now. But going backwards one more time, I had sort of like a political awakening, I guess you would say, around like the 2012 election. I was in my early 20s at the time, and I remember having voted for Obama in 2008, and I wasn't super paying attention to politics between 2008 and 2012. You know, I was early, like end of high school, early college, wasn't super focused. But the one thing I did know, so the first four years of Obama's presidency, all the things that I thought I was going to see the country, I guess, evolve into just did not happen. And it felt as though Obama uh, just wasn't the president that he promised us he was going to be. And I'll never forget the moment where I was like gearing up for the 2012 election, where I was seeing, uh, I think it was like financial reports that I think it was like Goldman Sachs and a bunch of other big banks were actually uh, donating money to both Obama and Romney's campaign. And I kind of felt like a slap in the face in that moment because it was kind of dawning on me in that moment that no matter who was gonna get elected in that election, that nothing was gonna fundamentally change. And the one thing that I felt profoundly voting in 2008 was that the country needed to change. I was young at the time, but I felt like the country needed to change. And by the time 2012 rolls around it, it felt like nothing had really happened. I mean, it just it just felt like nothing had really changed. And so I kind of became disillusioned with politics for a few years, got reinvigorated uh, in 2015, watching the rise of Bernie Sanders. And then that kind of carried on through that election, even though he lost. Uh, I'll give a small credit during that time also to John Oliver, who I uh, sort of like really watching around that time. I just, I loved, you know, regardless of your feelings on John Oliver, I loved his deep dives into topics that no one else was talking about, which, you know, if you watch, if you listen to my show long enough, you'll see that I try to do that myself sometimes talking about, you know, taxi drivers in New York or Neuralink or, you know, or Amazon workers in Alabama. I just, I love when people dive into topics and subjects that truly matter that other people just will not talk about or will brush off like it doesn't matter, so on and so forth. So love John Oliver's content. 
uh, even though it's it's obviously biased, but you know, I still love it anyway. And then in 2019, I found a show called Rising on YouTube that were hosted by two people named Crystal Ball and Sagar and Jetty. And I gotta say, it was around that moment, because this is at the same time that the 2020 like democratic primary process was starting and there was like 15,000 people running for president on the democratic side. And I just felt invigorated. I, that show in particular, Rising with uh, Crystal and Sagar, it was so refreshing hearing a show that was completely underground at the time. I think it had like 8,000 subscribers on YouTube. Uh, for those of you wondering out there, yes, YouTube does have some good journalists. Like it really does. You'd be surprised. But I could not get over just how like refreshing it was to have real coverage of the news. One of the things to note about like rising show is that Crystal would be on the left and Sagar is kind of on the right. He says he's on the right, but I don't know. Watch their show. We'll uh, Tell me how Republican you actually think this person is. But the nice thing about the show was that it felt like you were getting different perspectives that were coalescing around the idea that the media was not covering the news sufficiently enough and that Washington was broken on both sides of the political aisle, which I had felt to be true for a long time. But you'd be hard pressed to find that level of journalistic honesty from anything on cable news, which was honestly one of the also contributing factors into making me disillusioned with politics, because whenever it felt like you had to go through so much BS to find the truth, like you'd have to watch CNN and then go watch Fox. And then you'd hope that somewhere in the middle, you might find the truth because you know that either side isn't giving you the truth, especially not Fox in their propaganda network, but rising was a revelation. Uh, I guess it was like the first show that I found where I felt like, yes, I'm finally getting some, some real just news about what is going on in the country. And that kind of led me to wanting to do this in the first place. It led me to want to do this podcast because I thought to myself, you know what, there is a space out there and there are people who genuinely want a more thorough analysis of the news who are people who aren't willing to just play red team, blue team, who are actually willing to call it like it is and not try to pick sides, but just to be fair, to credit people when they deserve it and to attack them when they deserve it, no matter what the letter is next to their name. And so that was kind of like the genesis for wanting to do this podcast, which has always been a little bit of a struggle for me, uh, truthfully speaking. On a more personal level, I do deal with quite a bit of uh, issues around anxiety. So this podcast has always been a little bit of a struggle for me, but try to push through it the best that I can, because this whole point of independent thought is to basically share my frustrations with Washington, D.C., the executive branch, the legislative branch, uh, what they are doing that the media you know, like won't cover and then what they're not doing that the media won't cover um, or the media will cover just absolute junk and, and just and, and basically like leave us without any real substance. So I was hoping that through this medium, I could call out bullshit when I saw it 
and I could probably shine a light on news that deserved to have that light shined on it, uh, which is one of the main goals here at Independent Thought is to shine a light on the subjects that I felt were very, very important. And, and that I didn't want to limit myself either. I know that some people like to get really specific with their news coverage. Like oh, I, only, I only cover news from the left. I only cover labor news. And like, I didn't want to be limited by that. I wanted to be able to cover whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted national news or even local news, which you occasionally will get. I will cover my local news here in not just in Montana, but in Missoula where I live. And I'm going to get more onto that pretty much later in the episode here. But, you know, this really comes down to the failures of the mainstream media for me. MSNBC and CNN, if you are being honest with yourself, are basically just extensions of the Democratic Party. Fox News is an extension of the Republican Party. I mean, it might be a little shocking to hear that if you haven't had that revelation yourself, but if you're truly honest with yourself, if you really watch those networks, they are just shills for those two parties. Like that, they have they have no intention of ever like being critical about the party that they basically represent. Fox News will always be nice to the Republicans if they ever say anything bad. It's with kid gloves. Same thing with CNN and MSNBC with the Democratic Party. Like you will never see them truly press a Democratic president. They're just not going to do it. They're not going to do it. And it is absolutely frustrating to know that those like three major networks just have no true interest in legitimately covering the news fairly. So someone has to, and there are a lot of independent journalists who are doing that, especially in this YouTube space, which I've been finding a lot of people recently, but I felt like I had a different perspective and I wanted to add it to the conversation and see if anyone else had it resonate with them. And so I refuse to ever be that way. The whole like picking one side and doing nothing but advocating for them and, and, you know, ignoring all their flaws and just attacking the other side. I see people doing that all the time. Even people that I like know, like in the independent sphere, but like their whole goal is to only bash the Republicans. I'm just like you, it, it doesn't feel intellectually honest if you're only attacking one side and you completely ignore whenever quote unquote, your team does something wrong. There's, there's, there's no credibility there. You know, it's that hackiness that has turned people off from the news in the first place. And honestly, you know, I've had some people ask me why I'm so hard on the Democrats but you know the truth of the matter is is that the messaging that they have and the things that they claim to want to fight for they're very important topics to me and so it pisses me off whenever they talk about wanting to accomplish certain things and then they keep finding little ways not to do it and i'm sure to the average like person who is not like truly engaged it might seem as though that their bs excuses are legitimate but when you kind of peel back the layers a little bit, Democrats feel like more often than not, like self-sabotage themselves. And it's so frustrating to watch it happen because it seems so avoidable. And it really makes me question their motives, truthfully speaking. But so I hammer them because I want those policies that they claim to talk about. I want them to succeed. But here we are still dealing with people like Joe Manchin for reasons I can't quite understand. But with all that being said, 
when it comes down to the news, which is what we're talking about right now, I want to talk a little bit about the news sources that I get. You know, so like I was mentioning earlier, I found two people on YouTube, uh, Crystal Ball, Sagar, and Jetty. They were on a show called Rising. They went independent, and they're now on a show called Breaking Points. I go to them for news pretty consistently, as well as some others in the left YouTube space, uh, Secular Talk with Kyle Kalinske, uh, David Dole on the Rational National, uh, the David Pacman show sometimes. I, I use these places as like starting points. Like typically speaking, I will go there, uh, see what they're talking about, uh, maybe listen to some of their commentary. Some days I don't. And then I'll go off usually on a Twitter, which has become a really great place to dig through the news. And there's a lot of just great, just independent journalists uh, to follow uh, on on Twitter. And there's you know, a lot of great articles that you can always find on Twitter. It just, it feels like the best place to go looking for the news because everyone's on it. Like in the, in the journalistic sphere, whether you're independent or mainstream, everyone seems to be on Twitter talking about the news. And Twitter is kind of a toxic place, not going to lie. But as far as finding the news, credible news, it does seem to be a great place to dig around and find what you're looking for. You know, with all that being said, though, I, I do think it's important to kind of somewhat do your own research. So even though I go to these independent spheres to get some news, it's it's always good to just do a little bit of fact checking yourself. You don't need to spend hours on end, but, you know, maybe occasionally if someone references an article, go read that article, you know, or if someone talks about a story, like go look for that story yourself. I do think there's a lot of value in, uh, in not just listening to every single thing that someone says and just taking it as gospel. And for those who are interested, if you're ever listening to one of my episodes, more often than not, especially lately, I was kind of bad about this in the beginning of this podcast, there's going to be links to things that I'm talking about in the episode descriptions of my episode. So go into the episode description of an episode. You're more than likely going to see some links down there. You know, take a moment to read through them. I mean, a lot of these are short. I mean, we're talking like a few paragraphs. So, you know, not the, not the biggest reads in the world. Uh, I, I definitely think that most people, like more people would be better off for doing a little bit of that. But actually, when it comes to that, I also want to just touch on the whole believing everything that, you know, journalists say. I would hope that those of you who listen to this podcast would also, this might sound a little weird, but I would hope that you wouldn't believe everything that I have to say. And I mean that because truthfully speaking, there is going to be times where I'm going to get things wrong. I probably have gotten things wrong before. I'll probably get things wrong in the future. I'm human, going to make mistakes. I'll probably even have a bad take or two when it comes to my opinions on analyzing the news. So I, I truly do think it's important not to take people that you're listening to at face value, even if you trust them. Like I trust, you know, Crystal and Sagar when I listen to them, but at the same time, like I don't take everything they say at face value because they've had some bad takes and they get things wrong. I've listened to them recently on the Ukraine issue. Um, they've been getting that story wrong. And that's normal. It's normal. Like it is inevitable 
that we as people are going to have a bad opinion about a topic or that we are going to say something that wasn't well said or that was misinformed or that was ignorant. Like that is, that is definitely going to happen whenever you are speaking about very charged issues like politics, like, you know, week in and week out, you are eventually going to slip up. And I bring that up because being a part of this space, I so often talk to other people about where they get their news from or, you know, who they listen to or what they read, so on and so forth. And inevitably in those conversations, what always comes up alongside of that is who they no longer listen to. And it's always for like one particular reason, like, oh, so-and-so had one bad take and I decided to stop listening to them afterwards. And I got to say, I think that's a little unfair to stop listening to someone or stop following along with someone because they said one or two things that you do not like. It seems a little unfair for multiple reasons. I mean, truthfully speaking, you know, if I'm just keeping it real for a second, you know, I follow, you know, several hundred people between Twitter and, and uh, Instagram. And I like to keep my follower count low because I like to be able to see the same people like over and over again versus having this ridiculous saturation of people that I'm following. And a lot of people who I follow on both platforms, you know, they have consistent takes on political topics that are going on. And I see bad political takes almost every single day, almost every single day. If you are someone who I follow on one of those platforms, there's a good chance that I'm referring to you right now. <laughs> and I don't mean any shade by that, but it is inevitable. You know, you're going to see something that I'm going to say that's stupid at some point. I've probably already seen something that other people have said that is stupid at some point. It is inevitable. I, I just don't think that it's a good reason to stop paying attention to somebody because of one or two bad takes. I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. You know, need a little bit more grace when it comes to these things. And, you know, speaking of opinions, though, one of the last things I want to touch on when it comes to this podcast is I've had people tell me that they appreciate my podcast because I give uh, unbiased takes or unbiased opinions. I want to just address that very quickly and say that I, I appreciate the sentiment, but there's no such thing as an unbiased opinion. Opinions inherently carry bias and I'm no different. I have a bias. Um, I try my best to check it, but it's there. It's very, it's very there. And, and sometimes I don't try to check it because I, I feel like your opinions are very critical for certain stories. You know, I, I try to be as fair as I can, as often as I can, when it comes to anything that I'm talking about, I try to imagine, you know, what the other side is thinking in a given moment. I also just believe that it's just a better way of taking down someone's argument. If you know exactly what it is they're trying to say versus straw manning them. But there are some subjects that I just cannot be rational about. And I've probably mentioned this to people in the past. If you've listened to previous episodes, when I did episodes on critical race theory, or when I did episodes on uh, banning the Confederate flag, like those are issues, you know, obviously if you're not familiar, you know, I am a black person, but those are issues that 
I can't even wrap my head around. Like they literally make my brain go fuzzy just thinking about them, uh, especially the Confederate flag issue. Uh, I just, I cannot even begin to have a real conversation with somebody who legitimately thinks that the Confederate flag isn't a symbol of racism. Like my, I absolutely lose my mind when people try to give me that take. So yeah, there's no such thing like truthfully as an unbiased opinion. You know, I do my best to be as logical as often as I can try to remove emotion from the equation as often as I can, but it's going to creep in. I hope that you'll bear with me when it does and just realize that just like you or anyone else, you know, I'm human and it's, it's inevitable that these things are going to creep into these conversations. So when it comes to the goals of independent thought going forward, truthfully speaking, if you are going to stay with me on this journey, the plan for this podcast is to expand it. What it is today is not what I want it to be going forward. Today, it is just this mostly audio form uh, that I'm pumping out to all the people who have subscribed to me on Apple or on Spotify. But the plan is absolutely to expand this thing going forward, particularly into the video space, planning on doing a lot more YouTube. I would love to do this in a more of a full-time fashion, but in order to do that, it has to have some level of income attached to it because I, I can't do it full-time if I'm not you know, being able to provide for myself off of it. Thankfully, that's very possible with YouTube once you get a certain number of subscribers. So I'll be putting some effort into that so that I can find a way to just spend more time doing this and less on the soul sucking job that I have. And yeah, hopefully building up a base of people on Patreon as well. Uh, just my hope is to expand the team also that I can bring on more people to be involved in this in the future. I'm hoping to Truthfully, the, the long-term goal would be to have something very, very journalistic uh, alongside of this talk piece that we have currently. I would love to do something akin to what More Perfect Union has. And for those of you who follow me on Instagram, particularly, you see me sharing their stuff all the time. I love their concept. The concept of having a team of people who are able to travel across the country and put a spotlight on those who are being abused by the corruption that happens in our country and being able to fully tell those people's stories, stories that the news, the mainstream news should be telling, but they do not like that. That's a dream. I would love to be involved in something like more perfect union. I love to create something like that for myself. And that is one of the goals of independent thought. You know, so, so to close this out, the last thing I want to say is that, you know, while I've had, you know, hundreds and, you know, I think thousands of people listen to this podcast at this point, and I've had some people come up to me, you know, in the DMs on, on Twitter or Instagram and ask me how I was able to build a following. You know, I, I got to be honest with all of you. I'm no one special. Like, truthfully speaking, I'm recording this episode in some random room in my apartment while staring at a wall. I mean, there's, there's nothing special about what's going on here. I just, I really wanted to do something politically engaging because 
I just, I felt like I just wanted to contribute something to the, to the discourse. And I was hoping to find some people along the way who shared my values, who shared um, what my vision was as far as wanting to help people. And my vision is pretty simple. I just want people to be more aware of what the hell's going on. Cause I just feel as though people in general don't talk about politics enough. We have this taboo in our country, which we've all heard it, you know, especially with your, when you're with friends or family is like, don't talk about religion or politics. And I feel as though that is, that has been terrible. It has been absolutely awful. I think we need more political engagement, but civil political engagement. So uh, this was one, this was a thing that I wanted to do in order to kind of bridge that gap, to fill that need was to be another person in this space, bringing real conversations, real political conversations to the forefront, not the BS manufactured, like I've picked a side, now let me rail against the other side coverage that you see in a more mainstream way. So that is the goal for me, but I would hope that one of the things I can also do with this podcast is inspire some of you who are listening, especially recently, I've been consistently talking about how other people should get involved when it, when it, whatever the issue is that I'm talking about, I've been telling people they should be calling their local members of their government, whether that's like local city council people or mayors or you know, members of your school board or calling your state or your congressional reps. You know, I, I truly believe in the power of the people, especially when people, you know, collectively come together and organize, you know, for like the betterment of a cause, any cause. So I would hope that in the future, I can inspire more people to get involved in some way, whether that's just harassing the fuck out of your senators and calling these people and just making them know your name and keep telling them that you need them to step up or doing that same thing, but on a local level. You know, you'd be surprised, I know that I was, about how easy it actually is to get involved with somebody who's on your city council or someone who's running for mayor or someone who is your mayor or someone who's running for a local judge seat. I mean, it's, it's remarkable how accessible these people are. And especially on the local level, they have the most direct impact over our lives. So I would say, you know, getting, get involved on some level, everyone, that, that's, that is my final take for this particular segment here. Even if it's something as simple as like one hour a month, I, I, I know that we all say that we don't have any time for these things, but I think that most of us have one hour a month, you know, maybe on a volunteer level at a food bank, at a homeless shelter, uh, at a local like board meeting, at, you know, go, going to a school board meeting, just, you know, let, let's all try to get a little bit more involved because I, I feel as though what I have felt online in the last few months here is that the political energy is just draining from people. Like it was already draining after the election ended last year or in, at the end of 2020, but I feel like it's drained even more so in the last few months. And, and I, and I get it, but we, we really can't lose, you know, our desire to fight or our hope that things can get better. Like truthfully speaking, the way we go forward from this dark and shitty time is an engaged and politically conscious public. 
That's how we move forward. I hope that you'll move forward with me. Thank you for listening to this segment. If you liked this first half of the episode, uh, please go ahead and share this on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, tag independent thought. Thank you so much. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have my guest for this week. Stay tuned. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage inspired clothing, shoes and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at Betty'sDivine.com. thought listeners has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side well then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode bathing beauties beads is a full service bead shop in the heart of downtown missoula whether it's seed beads semi-precious stones vintage beads or just materials to make a project they have something for every person and every price range not from missoula don't worry they have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us to another episode of Independent Thought. My guest here today is David Walker. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. And yourself? Not doing too bad. I found David on Twitter a few months back. He had a podcast that I was checking out a few episodes of, and I wanted to get your take on a few different issues, bring you on the podcast. You know, the first thing I want to ask you, you know, as a fellow podcaster, it's always like mm -hmm. my tradition to ask other people about their podcast when they come on the show first. But I noticed that you had recently canceled your podcast. Would you like to tell me a little bit more about like why exactly that took place? So not really canceled, but I suspended it indefinitely. Um, I don't know if I'm going to return and do it. I want to plan on doing it in the near future, but uh, my priorities just kind of reshifted. Um, a major life change happened in my life where uh, my girlfriend moved in and there was a lot of like risk and reward talk about like me being in the political sphere in general. And like, it's a very, it's very high risk, especially in today's society where like anything that you say could be used against you in social media and stuff like that. And I just kind of value my livelihood right now over just having to say whatever I want to say on uh, 
uh, social media just in general. So the risk became greater than the reward that allowed it basically. Um, also with Twitter, I had to take a mental health break in general. That um, could be necessary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I know that with, I mean, all social media, but you know, Twitter seems like a, can be like an especially toxic place at times. Yeah. Are you worried about like cancel culture? Was that one of the things that led you into your decision about why you wanted to suspend your podcast for a little while? Yeah, it was part of it. One of it though, was just like, I saw this quote a while back though. Someone like the realization, uh, just something that came to me that uh, they said that in social media, you have to have a product out. If you don't have a product out, you are the product. But I digress. Yeah, the cancel culture issue is just like, and it's both sides is the problem. Like, yeah, a lot of people talk about cancel culture primarily on the left, but like I grew up in a fundamentalist Christian household and I am very well aware that the religious right are the OGs of cancel culture. The only difference, the only difference between the religious right in the mid 2000s and what we see today from the left or the liberal left, especially not so much the populist left, is that um, back when the religious right were doing this cancel culture stuff, the media, the main media up in, you know, news media and all that were actively fighting them. Uh, today, though, the, the news media are actively for the current people that are causing most of the cancel culture. And that's kind of disconcerting. Uh, you see big tech kind of push away anyone with dissenting opinions, especially when it comes to COVID. I'm pro-vaccine, uh, which, you know, I'm on the right side of the debate, they say. But I have a lot of friends who very much question the validity of what's going on with the COVID vaccine. And they don't, and basically, you know, they risk like being told that they're misinforming people. Right. And, you know, with enough reports, it, it catches Twitter's eye and it could be deleted or it could be suspended. And I just don't agree with that. And it basically leads to sort of an authoritarian group of people without needing an authoritarian government, which is one of those things that I really do loathe okay. is authoritarianism in general. No, I, I understand where you're coming from. And, you know, so being aware of what you're saying at all times is incredibly hectic. I know that personally for me, I'm always very careful about what I try to say on a podcast. It is, right. it's, it's mentally taxing after a while. So I, I don't, right. I don't blame you whatsoever for wanting to take a break from all of that, but let's kind of shift gears a little bit to what you are working on these days. Cause you told me that you are working yeah. on a project now where it's, you are trying to do something with our voting systems here in our country. Tell me a little bit more about the project. <laughs> so it's technically a ballot creator. Um, the user will have an ability to choose between different voting systems and they can use any topic. Like it's originally meant for like, it's originally meant for politics for people to make straw polls if they want to do it, but they could do something like what's your favorite pizza topping. Okay. I know, I know they did that for the state of New York to show an example of ranked choice voting, but I want to show many different types of voting systems. So I have the, your normal first past the post voting system. There will be ranked choice voting. There'll be approval voting. There'll be star voting. Star being score, then automatic runoff. There'll be straight score voting. 
And I, I plan to have about a dozen voting systems available by the time I'm done with it. But my plan is to, upon release, only have four out, which will be normal, approval, star, and score. Okay. And then hopefully have ranked choice voting out as soon as possible as well. It's a little bit wonkier than the others. Now, why is this something that you wanted to invest your time in? I mean, I know that elections and voting is very important for everyone. Have you but... seen our voting systems lately and how... <laughs> And how the uh, and how they have basically set things up so that there's only two real parties, and I really True. want to see a voting system that can sow the seeds. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not even a generation from now, but someday a good candidate, a good independent candidate, can rise up and actually win the presidency or win a major office somewhere and actually kind of change people's minds. I'm honestly getting sick of the two-party system in general. I really am. I, I, right. I'm tired of having to choose between Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Uh, I'm tired of having to deal with uh, people who are, you know, people who promise everyone the world and then just does the same old status quo. Um, now, sometimes status quo is good. I'm not a complete populist. I do believe that there are certain, I do, you know, I'm a little bit of everything in a way, Yeah. but I do think that uh, the, the direction that our country is going right now is the wrong way. And much of that to blame is our voting system that basically makes it so that we only choose between Republicans and Democrats. That's true. That's true. And, you know, especially in a swing state, you know, that is, it seems even more polarizing because for a lot of people right. in this country, people live in either a solid red state or a solid blue state. So they might feel a little more comfortable voting third party because the state's pretty solid in one color or another. Right. You in, North, in North Carolina is probably going to be the swingiest of those states. Right. Uh, in 2020, we were the closest to Trump losing a state that he won. I think it was like 1.4%. And it's expected to be pretty heated for 2022 as well for the North Carolina Senate race with Richard Burr retiring. Right. So, yeah, as a person who lives in a swing state in a state like North Carolina, you were telling me that you were considering possibly voting Republican in 2022. Can you explain yes. to me a little bit why, you know, you're kind of leaning a little bit more towards the Republican Party right now? OK, so I'm. There's a particular reason I'm doing this for senators and Congress offices only. And it's because when we send our U.S. Senate and U.S. congressmen, they are representing us in the country. So if I sent, if I voted for a Democrat, those Democrats, even though I like the Democrats in North Carolina better than the Democrat Party nationally, because they seem like really good people, Jeff Jackson, Erica Smith, they seem like pretty swell people compared to like a lot of the Democrats I see in California, New York they still will have to answer to your Pelosi's, to your Schumer's, to the big cities up in the up over there that probably don't really care about uh, the guy that's in rural North Carolina just trying to make a living. And I, and in my opinion, if it's just to represent and to stop certain issues that I see that are critical, like in my opinion, I see Asian American violence explode under the Biden administration. Yeah. Um, I see hyperinflation. Well, they call it hyperinflation, but let's be real here. It's five to 6% inflation a year. Zimbabwe, Venezuela, they kill for five to 6% inflation, but we'll call it hyperinflation just, just in this case here. Um, 
that that you know inflation going you know going much higher than normal. Let's go that way under the Biden administration, uh, and of course the cancel culture that we talked about earlier, amongst a few other smaller things. Yeah, I mean, I would need a Republican up there that I might think is a terrible human being, but will probably put a stop to some of the wilder ideas that I see in like social media from the liberal left. Right. So you had tell, told me before that you feel as though you would characterize yourself as an independent. Right. And now we are seeing a rift in our country between people who identify themselves on the left and on the right. How does this affect people like you who, again, identify yourself as being an independent? Well, for one, if I back a candidate who's a Republican or a Democrat, I'll get dragged to this group and expect to think that this person is 100% right. And we have to think up ways to hurt the other side just for hurting the other side. And which is the reason why I kept saying, like, even, you know, I, I told I actually wrote this on my personal Facebook to my closest friends actually just today even if I vote a Republican, I'll never let you know. And the reason why is because I don't want people, let's say Pat McCrory, that's the current leader in the Republican nomination, wins the nomination. I ain't gonna tell, I ain't gonna tell a soul that I'm voting for McCrory. I think he's a terrible human being. And I don't want to be dragged into some make America great again group and be like, oh, you know, he's one of us and he's a Republican, all that. No, I'm not. I'm only, his, to me, his, uh, what he represents is the type is I just want him to stop whatever, you know, the more fringe pieces of the National Democrat Party in those places in California, New York, not because I like him as a person. Right. If this were, if this were for running the if this were for running the state like a governor spot, I'd be voting Democrat. <laughs> I wouldn't even be considering the guy. Right. And you were telling me that also that you have you know, kind of conservative views on some issues and more liberal views on some issues. So I, I kind of want to ask caveats, you about some of those. With caveats. With caveats. So yes. let, let's let's talk about a few of them. Okay. You said that you feel conservatively on things like free college. Why, okay. why do you feel that way? So student debt forgiveness, I'm definitely conservative on. Um, to me... Uh, those that push the idea for student debt forgiveness are ignoring the people that had either one, they paid for college in full, or two, they sacrificed one or more of, you know, a, a passion that they wanted to follow, um, the college experience in general, or their dream college in order to graduate debt free. Like, for example, um, you know, imagine if someone wanted to go to uh, Ohio State or something, you know, it was their dream college, but, uh, but it costs like, you know, they're out of state, it's out of state and it costs them like four, I don't know, 30,000 a year, 20, 30,000 a year. So they could wind up 80, 90,000 in debt, or they could go to their local college and basically graduate with nearly no debt at all. And they decided to do the latter, even though when they go out into the working world, their employability, there are certain people, and I've seen these job listings, by the way, where they look for, we only want people from like a big 10 school, or we only want people from this particular types of school, or we only want people from an Ivy League school. And, and well, if they went to Ohio State, even though they paid 100,000 in debt, they would be eligible for that. But if they went to their local school, they wouldn't be eligible for something like that. And it would leave them less employable. So they sacrificed employability 
And now they're being told that all that sacrifice was for nothing. And okay. that's, that's a big reason why. And in my opinion, that plus I feel like it would support bad financial habits that would have long-term effects. I feel like that would eventually drive us into a eventual credit crunch down the line. Like people are going to think, well, you know, it doesn't matter how much I spend as long as, you know, the government will take care of me. And I think that that's just bad. Um, that's, it's a bad precedent in my opinion. Okay. So let me focus on one of the things that you said that you felt more liberal about now. You said that you also felt pretty liberally on things like universal healthcare. Mm-hmm. So how is that, I guess, more or less like different for you? Like, why do you feel as though the government one should play big, a role yes, in this? There is one massive difference between free college or actually um, free college, I'm kind of up in the air on, but student debt forgiveness and medical debt forgiveness. And that is, um, I don't know if you've taken a microeconomics course, uh, but, but there is this, uh, but there is something, a feature called elasticity. Uh, the lower your elasticity, the more necessary that product is. And the higher the elasticity, the more that it's considered a luxury. So at the highest of elasticities, you have your, you know, Porsches, your Rolls Royces. At the lowest level, though, are like food, water, necessary things in order to survive. And if a product is high in necessity, like healthcare, people will be willing to pay just about any price to get in. And in my opinion, healthcare is such low elasticity, especially today with everyone sick as it is, it's become a necessity that the government, in my opinion, should at least have a hand in providing. Uh, comparing that to college, which I believe that the elasticity is not high enough because we have other options. There's other ways to get successful, like trade schools. Like, you know, th- there's other ways in life that, you know, there's plenty of people that have gone through life and been able to make something of themselves without a college degree. And that would be the big difference. Whereas if you had a chronic illness and you needed the medicine to survive, particular medicine to survive, you're kind of, you know, SOL. You can't really produce in the economy when you're sick, Mm -hmm. but you can produce with, uh, I'm sorry. I had just had dinner too. Um, (laughs) But you can produce, but you could just go to a trade school, become an air conditioning technician, and make, they make a killing right now with 401ks and everything like 55, 60K a year. I saw in some out here in North Carolina. Right. So it's not, so college is just one pathway to being successful. Whereas with healthcare, the only way to, uh, to be able to have a livelihood at all with healthcare is to get better. Okay. So no, I, the, I understand where you're coming on that. Yeah. And so you know, speaking of healthcare, another one of the issues that you said you felt more conservatively about was like late term abortions. Okay, now, so one caveat to this. Uh, yeah, I was going to um, say this, this feels like a, a topic that gets brought up a lot, especially by people who feel more conservatively, it, it, it almost feels like a, a boogeyman topic, in a, in a sense, because yeah, it is so such I'm, a low number of people who actually get late term abortions. Yeah, so um, I was actually told this, uh, in between your pre-screening interview with me and this, I was actually told um, that actually with my system that, uh, I, okay, let me, just, let me just start from the top here. Right. Uh, I, was at a con- I was at a technology conference in San Francisco and I went to a conference to talk about the singularity. 
So there's a singularity of robots and don't worry, I'll tell you how this comes around. (laughs) So uh, the singularity is determining if a robot can have consciousness or not. And they talked about what organs are needed for the robot to gain consciousness and for it to realize that it is. And they came to the conclusion that there were two organs, the brain and the heart, primarily the brain, but a little bit the heart too, you know, keeps the blood pumping and keeps someone alive. So I checked to see like at what stage in pregnancy does a fetus fully develop a brain and heart? And I think, you know, I actually at the time saw a bunch of different weeks and anyone can correct me on this one because it's been a long time, but I think I remember it was about 16 to 18 weeks. It could be earlier. It could be later. I'm not hundred percent certain about that, that both, that both the brain and the heart are fully developed. At that point, I think that it stops becoming a, uh, a fetus and it becomes more a, a, uh, a, uh, an actual baby. But if it's in the case of rape, if there's going to be significant, if there's going to be harm to the mother, I can't justify uh, saying no to abortions in such cases. Yeah. And that, and that there should be no restrictions on that still. So when calculating my entire policy, uh, a friend of mine who happens to be on the left told me that would amount to like 0.02% of all abortions that have ever been created, that have ever been done. Right. Like I, like my policy would stop a grand total of, I think if, if you put the cutoff at 18 weeks would put the, would put it at like, it would stop something like 30 abortions, maybe a year in the U S if that. So apparently it's like so rare I'm asking for a case that's non-existent, but this is me growing up religious. And even though I'm deconverted and all that, I still have, I still have that weighing heavy on my mind here and there. Right. And, and so I, I think, you know, I don't want to kind of get stuck in the weeds with this conversation, but I feel as though that conversation is something that when it does get brought up in a mainstream conversation, whether it's on the news or on a debate show, so on and so forth, information like you just provided about how rare it actually is almost never gets brought up when that conversation comes up and so i'm yeah. glad that you said that just now but let, let's transition to kind of like the, the final topic you also told me that you felt a little more liberally about universal basic income this is a conversation yeah. that i haven't had too much on my podcast yet i mean some people have brought it up kind of in, in small doses here and there i had mm-hmm. a congressional candidate out of texas bring it up recently but haven't had too many talks on ubi why do you think that our country should have UBI? Like, like, why are you in the pro camp? Well, I should say first off that my opinion about UBI is irrelevant. I think that UBI is inevitable in this country. Um, I do believe that we're going to see a point where automation will replace many of our jobs and there will not be enough jobs to replace the jobs that are being replaced by those by AI. When that happens, people are going to need to find a way to get a source of income. And if you have too many people and not enough jobs, well, the only serious solution I could see with that is some sort of living universal basic income that I think will eventually happen. Uh, I think, and honestly, the reason why I'm for UBI is because 
I see and I, the idea of a supplemental UBI, something small, like a couple hundred dollars a month, just be a nice starter so that people can get used to the idea so that when that time comes that we're going to need a living UBI, we've already got the system in place. So that's, that's one thing. Also, I feel like a supplemental UBI would give people a little bit of power to move out of a place that they don't like and go to a place that might have jobs right now. Um, I felt like, I felt like Andrew Yang, who was the, basically the UBI guy was basically on the ball on that one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so overall, I think it can be a very useful tool, especially as we are, I see us heading towards a world where there will be more people than there are jobs available. Absolutely. UBI is definitely a conversation that we're going to be having a little bit more on this podcast in the future. Mm -hmm. I want to give a deeper dive into it because I haven't done a full episode on it yet. It is a topic that's probably going to come up again and again as time goes forward. But I want to give a special thanks to David for coming on to the show today. I really do appreciate it. Where can people get in contact with you if they want to, you know, follow up with what you're doing with the voting project and, you know, in other ways of getting in contact with you? So right now I'm kind of in hiding. But I will eventually be back on Twitter. So at David Walker CLT. Uh, by the time this podcast goes up, though, I should be just about ready to be back if I'm not back already. Because I think it's, yeah, at the time of this recording, like by that time that you have published it, right. I think that I should be just about ready to be back. So you should catch me at David Walker CLT. Um, I also have... Uh, my, my podcast, The Walker Sessions, was also available on Coffee and Cocaine Show. There's six episodes. So just YouTube The Coffee and Cocaine Show, and it will be uh, right there, uh, The Walker Sessions. I have six episodes available. Uh, and um, I also, if you want to see what programming projects I do for the public, uh, check out GitHub. Actually, I had just finished with a automatic golf score. Okay. So, yeah. So it's, it's a very simple project. I just, I was playing mini golf with my uh, girlfriend the other day and they had a digital golf scorer and I just thought it was absolutely terrible yeah. because it didn't, it didn't properly keep track until you had all 18 holes filled. So you had to finish the game before they told you the final score. And I was like, I could do much better than this. Right. So I, so I made an automatic golf scorer that, will keep track by whole, like what your like score is. So if you're like even par, it shows E and, and uh, over par, under par and stuff like that. And you can even customize the pars, customize the number of holes, customize the number of players up to six players. So yeah, and it's probably gonna be even more polished than what it looks like right now by the time you publish this. So yeah, so All go right. check that out on my GitHub, uh, github.com, it's uh, my GitHub is dwalker27. All right, everyone. So if you want to get involved, want to check out what David's doing, just go ahead and go into the episode description right now. There'll be some links below. So go ahead and just tap that and you'll be able to go straight to that website. So thank you again for coming on the show today. Very much appreciated. For everyone else, we'll be right back after this quick break with my final thoughts of the day. Stay tuned. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us for this episode of Independent Thought. So I want to thank my guest for this week, David Walker. 
Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Episode came out a little later than I originally planned, but that's life. You know, sometimes things don't go quite according to plan, but nevertheless, we persisted to get the podcast out eventually. So I want to thank everyone who is not only a subscriber, but a member of my Patreon. You are the real MVPs. You are powering this podcast into the proverbial future. And I couldn't be more pleased uh, because this, this really is a full-time job. Like I try to act like it's not, but this really is a full-time job between social media curation I uh, marketing this thing, creating the podcast, researching for the podcast. I mean, this is a damn full-time job. So the fact that I have people who are willing to invest in me to be able to do this, that is everything. That is everything. So thank you so much for doing that. Uh, for those of you who are not currently on Patreon, I would love your support. I'm just going to keep it real. I would love your support. Uh, the link is in the episode description. Please feel free to check it out if you feel as though that it is something that you can afford to be a part of. Going into the next phase, as I was saying in the first segment, YouTube is going to be a big part of everything that comes next. Uh, I'm planning on doing a lot of things with YouTube for season five. I don't know all the specifics as of yet, but I have quite a few different ideas I'm throwing around, but I'm thinking of a lot more video content as I would love to get my YouTube channel up to a thousand subscribers. So if you are not already, please just go over to YouTube and just hit that subscribe button. It would be greatly appreciated. I also just recently created a Facebook group uh, for those who find themselves on Facebook. I know some people are like Facebook, really? A lot of people are still on Facebook. You know, as of right now, it's still the number one social media platform. It's not just boomers on there. I'm just saying, just saying. If you are on Facebook, as I am, uh, and you want to join this Facebook group, it should be in my link tree. Uh, but if it isn't, just DM me. I'll give you the link myself. I'm having some issues with link through the last couple of days here. Uh, as far as what's next is concerned, we have one more bonus episode, which I originally thought was going to be one thing, but I found out recently that I can't post that. So I have to change my plans slightly. I might make an impromptu bonus episode about the Ukraine situation. I almost thought about having that be about, well, I almost thought that I would do that for this particular episode, given what happened today uh, with uh, Vladimir Putin claiming that those two regions in Eastern Ukraine were now going to be sovereign territories or independent states as he referred to them as so but you know a part of me feels like there's gonna be some more developments with this in the coming days so it might be beneficial to wait a couple more days before i give a take on it anyway uh but after that bonus episode there's only one full episode left and then the season is coming to an end and i'm going to be going immediately into the planning and developing phase for season five, because I have a lot of changes I want to make to this podcast. The formats, as you currently know, it will be coming to an end as we are trying new things next time around. So finally, as we close this episode out, I want to talk about why that first segment was so important to me. 
it, it dawned on me within the last month, really. I mean, it was kind of on my mind a little bit prior to that, but it's really kind of dawned on me the last month or so that trust when it comes to this podcast is everything. You know, and that may seem very, very obvious to say that, but the one thing that I've tried not to take for granted are the people who have stuck with me, you know, throughout the entirety of this podcast, you know, um, basically for the last, like, you know, over a year, uh, since I really started, uh, giving my everyday attention to this thing. I think the first like few months I was doing this, it was, this was very much a hobby versus, you know, a passion. So once it became a passion, I started getting a consistent following and I'm trying to take that as seriously as humanly possible now, because people do show up and listen to every single episode. There are people who show up every single week, the day that the episode comes out, they give me their feedback. Like they're, they're very engaged listeners. You know who you are. If you're listening, I, I appreciate you, all of you. And I just thought that, you know, for those people, especially, but also for anybody who's new coming into the podcast, you don't get to see me all the time like you would in a YouTube fashion. This is a very audio based. And so I, I thought since we are exchanging very important ideas when it comes to things like COVID or censorship or, you know, climate change or uh, topics of race, uh, you know, workers unions, like these are all really big topics. And so I just thought it was probably in my best interest that people knew me a little bit better since you are giving me a lot of trust by allowing me to talk to you about these very important issues, you know, week in and week out. And I guess I'm just like the guy behind the microphone who you can't really see. So hopefully I'll be able to bridge that gap some more as we move to a more video medium so that you can get to see me a little bit more and that you can learn a little bit more about me. But I just thought it was important for me from, a, I guess, from an integrity point of view that you could know a little bit more about the person that you're inviting into your car or headphones or TV or wherever you listen to this podcast uh, on a weekly basis. So uh, if you had no care whatsoever about to me, you're probably upset that you listened to this episode. But if you were curious in any way, shape, or form, or found anything that I said in that first part to be useful, as in your ways of deciphering who I am and how I break things down, or why you should care about my take going forward, I hope that you enjoyed this earlier episode. Uh, drop me, you know, a DM. As I always say, drop me a DM. Let me know what you thought of this episode. I'm always curious if you liked it again, uh, please share it on social media, tag independent thought. Uh, it's been really helping recently the last few weeks to grow the podcast for people to discover the podcast. So thank you for those of you who have been doing that. I hope to see you all in the next episode. Take care.